Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics Podcast. With your host, David Pizzuto. Austin Mick with a nine-point lead. Mick flying to the perimeter, gets it over to Latunji for three. Dolphins work it back up to 12 points. In-depth stories, reviews and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now for the Dolphin Pod, here is your host, David Pizzuto. Welcome, Dolphins fans, to the Dolphin Pod, episode 31 here on Friday, August 7th, 2020. Uh, This is David Pizzuto alongside guest host, co-host, Nicholas Duran, associate head coach of the men's basketball team, and of course, uh, been with us here on the Dolphin Pod for the last few weeks. Nick, how are you? Good. I'm good, Dave. Just trying to survive, trying to keep connection on my phone, so hopefully we get through the show. That's right. We should start with that as if living through a pandemic wasn't hard enough for us. I know that uh, we both had some issues dealing with hurricane slash tornado Isaias that came uh, through it. It knocked power out by me for almost an entire day. And and uh, I understand where you are, Nick. You're actually trying to get away for a few days, right? And it knocked you it knocked you guys out for a while. Yeah, finally take a vacation this summer and second day of the vacation, we get hit with that. So. Uh, luckily, everybody's safe. Everybody's good. Uh, the worst problem we've had is loss of power and uh, loss of cell phone service. So I think we'll be okay. I'm down by the beach, so I'm surviving. All right. Well, that's uh, it's pretty good to at least be surviving by a beach, wherever a beach might be. It's always <laughs> a better place than, uh, you know, than, than hold up inside. But if we do lose you, we'll promise we'll get you back on the air as soon as we possibly can. And the, the focus of our show today, Nick, as usual over the summer is concentrating on the top moments uh, from the past year. The Sportsnet Top 10 debuted earlier this week on Tuesday. And lo and behold, it was men's basketball again as they've been uh, throughout the duration of this countdown. The number four moment was the big game against Curry College that we actually covered on the Flashback Friday countdown a couple of weeks ago when we spoke to James Delahanty. And uh, later in the show, or coming up after the break, we'll talk to uh, CSI track and field star Jared Nusser will join us to talk about the number four moment on the Flashback Friday countdown, which was his performance at the ECC. So a time to kind of reflect, uh, Nick, on some uh, some better moments from the past uh, from the past year. Yeah, surprise, surprise, right? Basketball once again <laughs> um, was was a great that was a great game. Like we talked with um, with uh, Delahanty a couple of weeks ago, and you know it was a great experience, especially going against uh, Joe Busaka, Staten Island resident, right. as their coach, and it, it was a great feeling to open up the tournament this year. Yeah, and I think for anybody who hasn't seen that game, uh, they're certainly missing out. That's definitely one to watch. It's number four on our countdown, CSI versus Curry College. It was the second game of a doubleheader on the first night of the Tournament of Heroes on December 27th. And, you know, we went through this game kind of tooth and nail with James Delahanty two weeks ago. So want to tell people, if you want to learn a lot more about that game, listen to that episode that we had two weeks ago. So I want to ask you, Nick, um, you know, being a part of the coaching staff for that game, some things that we didn't really get to talk too much to James about a couple of weeks ago was the significance of the tournament itself. The Tournament of Heroes um, obviously celebrates the honor of, of three former Dolphins who died during the terrorist attacks uh, on 9-11 at the World Trade Center. Um, 
two firefighters and one employee um, in, in, in the towers at the time. And, you know, I think in the years that have followed, obviously their memories have really been, you know, have really been remembered at the, at the college families come back to visit. And I know for the, for the coaches, even more than the players, there's a lot of takeaways from that game being really important to make sure that the youth and, and this new generation kind of understands what that date in our history meant. Yeah, from the start of my career, the, the tournament was very big. And to be honest, I didn't understand it until the first year came around and you got to experience it of, you know, the, these three men that, that used to play for the program and put everything they had into the program while they were part of it, you know, passed away. It's such a, such a young age and such a devastating thing. It, it's great to, to continue to honor them and their families because it's literally like a holiday for the basketball team. Like, it comes and, and the families are there. We, we have the, uh, after game, uh, activities next door with some food and hang out, sit down with the team. And it's continuously the same families returning. So it's really great to see their names live in honor through our program. And again, like I said, it, it, it's very humbling and you don't truly understand it until you're there. And, you know, you, Dave and, and everybody on your staff do a great job every year of presenting it. You know, the, the, the story you tell beforehand and, and you, you see it in the other team's eyes. You know, we, we try to schedule teams from out of States and we've had a lot of teams from a lot of different areas over the last couple of years that I've been coaching. And, you know, the, the coaches are really receptive to it and they respect it so much too. And you could see it in the players faces while the stories are being read that like, they don't understand it because they're not, they're not from New York. So it's great to see all around the experience of, our coaching staff, our kids, to the other coaching staffs, to the job you guys do, it, it gets better and better every year. Yeah. And, you know, another, I, you know, I forgot what episode it was of the Dolphin Pod, but the one that we did right before the tournament is we had former head coach Tony Patoza on that one. And we spoke about a lot of great, a lot of great things, but the tournament was the focus. And it's the first and only time that, I think two people on the podcast were kind of in tears. T Tony was very emotional about it. His being emotional got me emotional. So we're, we're both kind of <laughs> losing it on the Dolphin Pod. But, but you realize everything that goes into it. And then, of course, when it, it forces you to think about what happened on that day, it brings a lot of things uh, to the forefront. And, you know, I think what, what really made this, this day special, obviously, is the reason why we're there. But then when you can walk away and win a double overtime contest where, you know, we, we talk all the time about the, the, the resiliency of Staten Islanders and the resiliency that, that folks showed after 9-11. And then, you know, the little microcosm is that 40-minute game where, you, you know, you guys are, are, are laying it to Curry in spurts. They come roaring back. They tie the game. It looks like we're, we're done in the water. And then we come back and we win a double overtime game. And, you know, to that point, uh, you know, Nick, that was, that was one of only two close games that we had. The first one was against Medgar Evers, a game that you guys lost right at the very end. Let, let the game slip away from you a little bit. So to come back and then win a game like this with all the other emotions going on, that must've felt really sweet for this team. Yeah, the, the mega game was tough the game before, uh, mainly just because we, we had the game in so many points. And if we would have just made the right decision at the right time within the last minute, I mean, we, we should have won the game. So it's tough to walk away from that. And then your next game is against a non-conference opponent that you don't know so well. 
So, you know, their record didn't speak that they were, you know, as good as they were. And they were, they were pretty talented and they were really talented that night. You know, they shot the ball very well and they played great defense. So, you know, that night was, was a great night for, for what the tournament is because every year we go over with, with, uh, coach Tibbs, we go over to the jerseys and, you know, he gives his speech from that point. And usually the speech is, this isn't about us. It's about them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to see a game come down to it and then, then double overtime and, you know, it felt like it was slipping away a lot. It was a great feeling at the end of the game to come away with the win and then to come away with the win in an atmosphere like that was just, was probably the best tournament of heroes game I've been a part of. And there was been a lot of great ones since I've been there. Oh, for sure. Me too. Uh, I told James a couple of weeks ago that that was number one on my list because when I think about, you know, being an athletics administrator and, and college hoops, that's what I think about. I think about games like that. That's what college hoops is supposed to be. Just teams battling back and forth, momentum swings the whole nine yards. So if you haven't seen that game, uh, I implore you, it's one of the best uh, that you're going to see, you know, any division wide. It was it was such a good one. Um, so it was number four on the uh, sports net list. And the uh, last question regarding that one, uh, Nick, we talk a lot about the Tournament of Heroes. It's been an institutional standard, but CSI actually had to get a waiver to play it this past year because in Division Two that week between the Christmas holiday and the New Year's holiday, that's a mandatory week off for Division Two teams. So in order for us to have that played, we had to put in a special request with the NCAA. They granted it because obviously it was our first year as a provisional school, but we're not going to be able to play the tournament during that week anymore. And so the the um you know the the parameters that go into the tournament are going to be a little bit different from here on in. Has the coaching staff talked about what the future tournament might look like or, or will it be a tournament can you can you um, shed any light about the future yeah that's a, that's a great question especially for you know people that aren't as close to the program that might want to know what's going what's going to happen to it because we do get a lot of fan base back for that game and that experience and one thing i will say about the game is dave you and mike did a great job broadcasting that one um there was energy all the way to the end so that's definitely a must watch. And, um, the, uh, the tournament's going to be a little different. Um, it could possibly be at a different part of the year. Um, we're trying to manage it and see where we can put it, but the tournament, it's, it's hard to say that it's not optional, that it's, it's going to stay. It kind of has to stay because it's a, it's a vocal point to the program and it's, it's something that the kids do feed off of. So every year I feel like we do need to, to honor those players and, and play for those players. So. I think we'll figure out a way to do it. It might look a little different, but I think we'll we'll forever honor those players. Awesome. Well, that's good news for for um, fans and staff and players alike. So we look forward to that. So once again, to wrap up, uh, CSI versus Curry, uh, day one of the Tournament of Heroes this past year, number six on the Flashback Friday countdown, number four on the most watched Sportsnet broadcast of 2019-2020. Will basketball hold on to the number three, two, and one positions? They have 10 through four, so we'll have to stay tuned in future weeks uh, for that. Uh, what Nick and I will do is we will take a break, step aside. When we come back, we'll take a look at the number four moment on the Flashback Friday countdown when we chat with men's uh, indoor and outdoor track and field star Jared Nusser, who took home CSI's first ever gold medal uh, at a Division II level when he did it at the ECC Championships. We'll talk about that moment and more coming up with Jared right after this. Stay with us. 
You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division II, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com or wherever you are listening to us through your streaming stations on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the like right here. But for us, we are on CSIDolphins.com. Today is Friday, August 7th of 2020, and it's time now for Nick and I to speak to our featured guest of the Dolphin Pod here is Jared Nusser from the uh, CSI Indoor and Outdoor Track and Field Units at the College of Staten Island. Jared, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? We're doing really well. Thank you for being a guest on our show today and taking the time to uh, talk to us for a half hour. And, you know, Jared, uh, like I explained to you, you know, uh, coming on to the broadcast you know, every every summer before the summer starts, the CSI athletic staff sit down and they talk about the top moments from the past year. And this was our first year, obviously, as a Division II school. And coming in at number four, uh, we just debuted it on CSIDolphins.com, was, was your performance at the ECC Championships. Of course, you took home CSI's first ever gold medal in any sport, and you did it in the 400-meter uh, dash at the ECC's. Um, you know, tell me about how it feels to have one of the top moments and to come in at number four on our countdown. It felt it felt great because all the work that I put into it, it felt like at that moment it finally paid off. So it, it was a great feeling. It, I was I was almost feeling at the time. You know, that sounds dramatic, but it was <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, excellent. And it was amazing. You know, we were we were kind of uh, following the results from a distance, uh, you know, obviously not not being able to be there in person. But then hearing when you took home first was just was tremendous. And it was really exciting. And, you know, Nick and I are going to talk to you more about that specific um, event and, and the specific championship. But I want to go back to the very beginning with you, Jared. Have you always been a runner growing up? When was the the, the first time in your life that, that running became, you know, a thing or the thing for you athletically? So I wasn't always a runner. I was, I was always a baseball player, but my dad wanted to get me into running because he, he knew that if I did track, 
it would improve uh, skills that I needed in baseball. Mm. So I, I went to Staten Island Express track and field when I was 12 years old. And that's when my track, uh, my track career started. And he, that was run by Padula, Coach Padula, the same one, same coach from Wagner High School. Mm. And from there, I went to Wagner High School with the same coach, Coach Padula, and he was a great uh, coach. And that's where it all started, basically. You know, I've always kind of fi- found it interesting of when a sport kind of takes over. And you mentioned kind of 12 years old, uh, being on that track and field, you know, uh, club program, and then obviously nurturing it into high school. Was that about the time where track kind of took over and, and where the, the training regimen really takes over to be a, a, a real world-class, you know, runner? So when track truly, tr- uh, truly took over, I would say that was in college because throughout baseball, I was all, I mean, throughout high school, I was always playing baseball. What I would do is I would do the indoor season in uh, high school, and then I would do baseball when the outdoor season was happening. Mm. But I'm not doing baseball in college. So college is when track completely took over and when track became my main sport. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. And, and Jared, with, um, you know, you've told us a little bit earlier in your, your career, going back to when you were 12, um, kind of map us into how you came across CSI. Like you're obviously a Staten Island guy, but what was your decision and mindset of coming into CSI? What did you expect? What surprised you? Like take us through you coming into CSI. So we looked at, you know, different colleges, but I didn't necessarily didn't, I didn't want to like really move to another state or board in another school. I didn't mind going to a college that was like 15 minutes away from me. So we went to the Dolphin site and there's this, there's this part on the Dolphin site where you could basically say your athletic achievements and reach out to coaches. So I reached out to the baseball coach and I reached out to the uh, track coach. At the time we had a different track coach my freshman year. And at the time it was, uh, it was just becoming a team because before this, the track team became a team. Apparently it was a club. Uh, that was before I was on, but the track coach reached out to me after I told him about, you know, all my athletic achievements in track in high school. And he wanted me on the team. So then that's when I joined basically. Nice. So then now you coming in, how do you feel the transition was from high school to college with skill level and even um, bringing in, you know, schoolwork? Is the schoolwork harder as being an athlete? And how did you take it your first semester being a student athlete? So the only thing that I would say that's really hard being a student athlete with um, in college is the fact that it's like you're always working. It's like you're, you know, you're doing like schoolwork and then, you, then you're doing track because the way we do it, we schedule track in the middle of our classes. So I'll have a, I'll have a class, then I'll have track, then I'll have another class, then I'll go home. I'll have to do homework, maybe do a workout, and then go right to bed. So you don't, you don't really have time to do a lot of the things that you would want to do. You don't have enough time to hang out with your friends or play video games or anything like that. So that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because a lot of people forget that, you know, track and, you know, even some distance runners, some cross country runners, you know, running is a is a year round thing. It kind of never stops. And, you know, I want to go back to 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 high school a little bit, too, because you mentioned working under Coach Padula and, uh, you know, at, at Susan Wagner, which has kind of been a, 
a track factory, if you will. Uh, you know, they've put out some great athletes there. You know, what did you, you know, what was going on under, under Coach Padula there and, and at Susan Wagner where you became a better runner? In other words, what kind of tips, what tricks, what, what physical things were you doing to make you better at being a runner? So Coach Padula, as you know, like he's sponsored by Nike and he's, he's trained Olympian athletes and D1 athletes. So he's just a really, he's a really, really good coach. And the workouts he had us doing and the way he would time it throughout the season was just very professional. I, the way I could say it was he was just a, a great coach. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew what workouts to give us at what time of the season to make us progress. He was, he was like a professional coach working at a high school, basically. Yeah, that. So, yeah, must, yeah, must have been a really great, uh, great experience. Obviously, and for yeah, it was awesome. It was it was very honoring to have someone like Padua as a coach. Yeah, for tre- high school, tremendous stuff. And you know, I guess you know, kind of similar to to Nick's question about coming in to the college campus and the college ranks. You know, obviously, you had interest in baseball and in track. You you know, track is the one that that gets you. Were you expecting to kind of? hit it off right away in college? Were you expecting, because even last year, or, or I should say the year before in the outdoor season, because you didn't participate in the indoor season, you participated in the outdoor season. Were you expecting yeah. to have that much success right away like you did? Uh, no, I was not, because literally the first meet, I think the first meet I participated in the outdoor season that year, I got like a 22-8 on wow. one of my 200 meters. And the coach was just like, at the time, the coach, because we have a different coach now, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, the coach was just like, wow, I wasn't expecting that from your first meet. And I wasn't expecting it either. So. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Now, Jared, you, you know, you talked about the high school coach, and you know, I went to Port Richmond at a time where we were we had just so many athletes on the basketball team, and I felt like me going into college, that made me so much better on just competing with them and working with them on a daily basis. You know, how do you feel like when, when you worked with those guys, did that bring you to another level when you got to the college level? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had people on our team like Will and, and Mahmoud, who, you know, they're, they're Wagner College track athletes as, as of right now. And we had some people that are on the CSI team currently that were on, uh, that were in the Wagner High School team, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Jordan, for example. Mm. And, we pushed each other to strive harder, basically. So it definitely made me a better athlete, for sure. Having people like that on my team that were very competitive and very good. Yeah, I think that's what that's what truly makes a, a college athlete, which is what a lot of people don't see, is the people that you're working with on the sides. And how yeah. you feel when you... No, yeah, you, you, like, need, you need friends that are also your rivals at the same time to push yeah. each other. To push it, yeah, and we we see that in a lot of our programs. I feel like at CSI, so kind of explain the um, the uh, the overall of the team. You coming in, how did it feel with the new group? You know, you just left Wagner. You guys are very close, and how does it feel coming into CSI? And and how is the team atmosphere? The team atmosphere was good because there's a you know there's a there's new people. However, a lot of the people on the team were people that were on my team in uh, Wagner High School. So I knew a lot of them as well. Yeah, you know, Jared, it's, you know, track and, and you know, any running sport is an, it's an interesting sport to me. I remember having a, 
a conversation with our head basketball coach TJ Tibbs, who was who also was was a track athlete and did track at Wagner College for a little while in his career. And he said, you know, track was always looked at as as the punishment for certain sports, right? If you if you get punished, you have to run. But track, you're actually running you know, obviously for, for competitive reasons, but also because it does things for you psychologically. I know a lot of runners who say, I love to take a run. It clears my mind. It puts me in a better place. I'm able to be fresh for class. What are some of the psychological and physical things that running does for you that's, that's beneficial that maybe some other sports don't really see at face value? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And not a lot of people ask, um, Track is like like being disciplined, like as if you went to the Marines or something. Mm. Like there's there's so many times where we're practicing track and let's say we have to do it's one of those days where we have like literally nine four hundred meter sprints and we have to do them we only have uh three minute, you know, breaks in between them and we have to do them all. Stuff like that is hard. It's very grueling. Very, very grueling. So there's a lot of times where you where you feel like wow like well, why, why am I even doing this like I really just want to quit mm-hmm. but obviously you don't you don't actually want to quit you're just saying that in your head because what you're doing is so hard but once you get done with the workout uh you know you feel good about yourself you know what you did is helping you and that uh eventually you see your results basically in the meets and you see how much better you're actually getting and then once you see how better you're getting you're like wow you just feel very proud, basically. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my questions for later in the segment was about the grueling nature of track and field meets because you're there for hours on end, you know. But but before I get to that one, and we'll talk about the ECC one as well, you know, it's I, I'm wondering, especially as a sprinter, um, you know, is practice and is is getting ready for your for your competitions. Can it get frustrating? Because I always think like the hours and hours and hours that you spend training and then literally, like you said, a 200, it's over in 25 seconds, 20, 25 seconds. And, and the slightest, the slightest mistake you make, whether you get off, you know, a half a second late off the block or, or, you know, you know, going into a straightaway or whatever, if it's, if it's going into a curve, you know, the slightest thing could set you back and, and could mean the difference between a first place finish or a 10th place finish. Can you talk about the, the frustrating nature of being in a sport where your payoff is literally less than a minute, where that's the final, the final result is, is a minute long? Yeah. So that that's definitely uh, a frustrating aspect of the sport, but once you're actually doing it, you're not even worrying about it. Once you're in the zone, you're just in the zone. I'm not even thinking about anything else but the runners. I'm just uh, I'm listening for the gun, and as soon as uh, as soon as the gun goes off, I'm just sprinting, and my my mind is blanked out, and I'm not even basically worried about that. Yeah, and you're an indoor outdoor guy, Jared. Where what um what do you like better? What do you like? The, do you like them the same? Do you feel like you excel in one more than the other? Indoor is fun, but I, I have to say I like outdoor more because I like traveling. And in outdoor, we get to travel to a lot of colleges in different states and stuff like that. We get to see their campuses and all that. And what, what is what is one of the best experiences that you've had so far uh, being part of the team and, and going somewhere else? And whether, it's, whether it was um, a great performance by you or just a great experience of going to a certain school, which one sticks out to you? I would say def- definitely Penn State. 
And why is that? Penn State is one of the biggest, one of the biggest, uh, you know, track meets in the country. It's it's a school that's very, very known for track in the United States. And uh, the Penn State meet that happens, there's thousands of people watching. So it was it was crazy atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, what what your talents can bring you at sometimes, and that's going to be a life a life thing that you take around those experiences and. You know, you, you, you hit on the discipline a little bit about the sport. And, you know, we, we think about it in our aspect. We practice two hours a day and maybe 20 minutes of our practice is running and our kids are complaining during the 20 minutes. So I don't think anybody on the basketball team, if they're listening, can uh, qualify for your guys' determination and stuff like that. So how do you feel that's going to help you in life on, on you know, being able to be focused on certain things and get through it? Like you said, a kind of a military mindset. Yeah, so the way it would help me in life is definitely the discipline aspect of it because sometimes, you know, like I said, let's say you have to do six, 400 meters uh, in one practice, 400 meter sprints. Towards the end of that sprint, um, where you just feel like, oh, I need to slow up, I need to slow up, my body can't take this anymore. What you do is you don't slow up and you just keep going as fast as you can go and uh, you just basically, you just keep fighting through it. So that aspect would definitely apply to life, the aspect of just uh, keeping on fighting through it and discipline aspect of uh, this sport. Yeah, Jared, and one of the, one of the things about track two is that it's a very it's a very individualized sport. You know, a lot of times, obviously, you're competing against the six or seven guys to your left and right, but you're also competing against yourself. You're competing against the clock. How do you approach your races, Jared? Do you have a a set target uh, time in mind? Do you do you know who the other racers are? Do you kind of know who you should be keeping pace with? I know for the short sprint work, it's not really about that. It's about just letting it all out and seeing how you come. But but how do you approach your own race personally in your head? So usually I try to get, I, I try to meet near my, my PR because, you know, obviously not every time you're going to, you're not going to beat your PR every single time. You can't just keep advancing every single meet. But I always try to get a time that's near my PR at the very least. So the most of the competition is with myself. Although I do love competing with the other people as well. Yeah. And, you know, track is one of those sports that we don't get to see a lot behind the scenes, you know, at practice. When when you do practice, when you get yourself ready for a championship meet like the ECCs or the CUNYs, um, do you do you work in pairs? Like, do you work side by side with some of your teammates that kind of push you? Or is it more like a, a, a solo type of workout and a routine that you that you Oh, no, through? no. We definitely work side by side with mm-hmm. the teammates that are. Uh, they definitely work out side by side with the teammate that pushing for sure, hundred percent. And I think that's that's beneficial for all of us. Sure. I've worked by uh by side of Idrissa and Jordan, who also got very good times as well. Yeah, definitely. So they, they'll be in practices when we're doing four hundred meter sprints and two hundred meter sprints. They'll literally be to my side. So literally side by side. Gotcha. Yeah, and Jared, you know, Dave touched on it before about it being, you know, an individual sport, and you know, team sports. You got you got so many coaches and and different players hyping everybody up, and you know, trying to get everybody ready. So, just take us through, like, you know, a minute before a race, 
you're stepping up. What, what's your kind of routine? You know, you obviously stretch and you warm up and you're good to go. So take us into like that last minute of what's your focus? What's your thing? And like you said, you blacked out, but before you black out, what's going through your head of what do you need to accomplish? So before, before my, my races, right, right after I do my warming up and my stretching, right when I'm on the line and they're about to put me on the race, I'm usually like repeating in my head that I'm uh, I'm physically ready, emotionally ready, uh, spiritually ready, and I just keep repeating those three things in my head: emotionally ready, spiritually ready, uh, physically ready, yeah, that's, and that's, that I can't be And then any adrenaline, any like adrenaline that I have, if I'm feeling anxiety or anything, I kind of actually like that because I feel like that adrenaline helps me in the race itself. So I just use it to my advantage. Nice. And, and what is it like as a teammate, you know, be, being in a track program and, you know, you're all at events together, you know, what are the sidelines like? What are you guys like as a group? And, and how, how's the feeling after races and, and you guys, even, you know, you don't win one, you don't, you know, you win one, you don't win one. What's the overall feeling on the sidelines? Like take us through that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening haven't been to track events or haven't seen what they're like. So what's the team atmosphere at a track event? The team atmosphere is great, and we're all very good friends. So on the side, it's uh, it's a very nice atmosphere, a very friendly atmosphere. Yeah, Jared, you had mentioned, you know, being physically, emotionally, and spiritually ready uh, for a race, and that you were during the ECCs, you know, that um, you participated in the in the 400-meter dash. You later were in the 4x400, but for the 400-meter where you're you're working obviously individually, you set a personal record uh, under 50 seconds, 49.7. Uh, you win the event outright against you know scholarship Division two uh, athletes. Some of them you know in their third year, in their fourth year, and in that race specifically, the first five runners were all within one second of each other. So you're talking about you know literally finishing and then less than a half a second later second place comes in what was that race like for you and when you look up and see that you've won the race um you know what's what's that feeling like are you aware that you've created history at that point yeah so when we were doing the race the guy that was in second place he was actually in front of me for a lot of the race and then on the last on the last 100 straightaway that's when i passed him and when I first, you know, when I first went over the the finish line, I knew that I won the race, but I didn't even know I had a 49. So then I looked up in the scoreboard eventually, it said 49.7. And then all the coaches to my right, they were all like, yeah. And I heard some of my uh, teammates like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And it just felt awesome. It felt like, like, like wow, I, I just really broke 50. That was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, as awesome as that is, you know, individually, you know, to put it in the context of CSI, like one of the things I tell athletes all the time is, is, you know, first is forever. So you're always going to be the first athlete in CSI history across any sports that has won an ECC championship, legitimately won an ECC title. You know, I know it's hard to put in perspective now, Jared, when it's, it's still fresh, but 10, 20, 30 years from now, when you're an old man, right, what, what is that going to mean to you? What kind of accomplishment is, is that going to mean to you? Um, uh, 
It's, uh, I don't think it's anything that special because eventually, you know, it was going to be done. But I, I am proud of the fact that I broke 50 because personally that, that was, uh, that was the biggest accomplishment for me was breaking 50. You know, the 4x400 four comes next. You guys came in seventh in that race at the ECCs, but a pretty good split, um, you know, as the anchor in that race for you, um, you know, just over 51 seconds. Uh, you know, again, uh, when, when, you've, when you've accomplished the gold medal and now you're running the 4x400, four you know, what's that kind of feeling like of being a part of a, of a relay team? So, you know, so many things that you do are, are done solo. What are the different nuances? Obviously, the exchange of the baton is the biggest thing. As a relay racer, you know, what are some of the things that you have to do differently or, or kind of the different mindset that goes into that race? So the, the only thing that would be different is, like, as you said, is the baton pass. You have to practice the baton pass and make sure that swift and as clean and as quick as possible and just keep passing uh practicing that baton pass over and over again but besides that the rest of the race feels uh the same when it comes to uh you running the 400 i think we i think we lost nick so i'll i'll take it from here jared and then i'll get nick back on the line um so the next week following ECCs was the CUNY championship. And, you know, one of the questions that I had, even for our coaching staff was when you, when you look at your schedule, your indoor schedule, do you kind of, um, circle the CUNY championship as the marquee one or was it, or was the ECC one, the one, like the, the main one on your schedule? Um, I don't circle any of them. I just, I just practice. I do my thing and I just try to do my best at any meet regardless of whether it's the championship or a regular meet. Yeah, and the, the CUNY championship was also very kind to you and, and other teammates as well. A lot of personal records fell there. You yourself uh, took two gold medals at CUNY, the 400 meter again, just over 50 seconds, the 4 by 400 with Justin, Adresa, and Jordan, and then you took uh, a bronze in the 200 meter. Um, you know, what were those expected marks? Did you leave CUNY satisfied with your performance yeah i definitely left uh left that satisfied with my performance definitely great and you know you've accomplished so much jared the first you know couple of years at csi even though you weren't you know a part of the indoor squad your freshman year obviously you know the season gets cut short this past year because of covid but you've accomplished so much over the first two seasons you have csi records you know what's kind of the goal for the for the future for the second half of of your career uh, at CSI, what are some of the goals, some of the the time targets that you're looking forward to? You know, tell me a little bit about goal setting for the future. In the second half of my career in college, I want to eventually be able to uh, break 49 and see if I could get into 48 for the 400, and maybe for the 200, I would like to get in maybe like a. 22.5, I would say. Yeah, great. I think those are my goals. Yeah, those would be outstanding times. And obviously, they would continue to, to set records here. And, and you know, obviously, 
after your first couple of years, you know, Jared, even though you have three years of eligibility left in both of those sports, you do have a bunch of records at CSI. You have the 200 record in indoor, the 400 in indoor outdoor, um, you know, you're a part of four relay records, you know, are those important to you in, in, in the long run? Is it, is it nice to kind of, I know the program is still very young, um, but is it, is it great to kind of set those benchmarks for the future and, and even have some of your teammates kind of looking at those marks as, Hey, that's what we need to be. It's definitely good to send to, uh, to set those marks because it brings in better athletes to the school and it does make the other teammates strive harder. Great, great. So I, I think in that aspect that it's important, but in no other aspect do I think it's that important. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it very briefly uh, as far as this, this past spring. I mean, obviously there was a lot of, lot of um, you know, uh, uh, I want to say optimism coming into the outdoor season after the way you guys, you know, fared an indoor season. But then obviously COVID happens and that kind of knocks out uh, the outdoor season. You know, you know, as far as the momentum after indoor, it, it had to be very disappointing to have your outdoor season canceled the way it was. Yeah, it was really, it sucked. It was really disappointing. Yeah, and and especially you know given the, the the physical side of it because you guys like I said before you guys are going you know just about every day uh, you know testing your bodies yeah, putting yourself to the limit yeah and and obviously yeah, nowhere we had to stop practicing and just get out of our groove basically right so. and and that was going to be my question so how do you go from like going just about every day putting your body through some through some uh, through some strenuous tests to then not having athletics at all. I mean, obviously you're still doing things on your own, but what was that kind of like for you? That, that kind of split. It was, uh, it made me a little angry. Um, it, it, it was, it was just, uh, it just took all of us out of the groove and now we're not able to do what we want to do, which is, you know, practice with our team and get better for the season. But we can't even do that because there wasn't going to be a season. It was canceled. So the only thing we could do now is work uh, to make sure that we're ready for the next season that we're able to do. Yeah, and and speaking of that work, Jared, what are some of the things that that you've kind of done uh, on your own to kind of stay disciplined to what you want to do? And and have you been able to kind of meet with with some of your teammates and and work together, or is it still very much individualized while we're apart? It's it's definitely individualized. I would love to set up a you know, practices where we all, we all get together and practice. But now that, you know, now that, uh, nobody's running or anything, it's, it's hard to meet up with other people's uh, schedules. So it's very individualized. So any work that I'm doing and any work that everybody else is doing was most likely going to be on our own. I've, I've been doing a lot of weightlifting, which I always do. And I've been running as well, but the running on my own, I would say it's not as efficient as when it's guided by a coach. Mm. Yeah, that makes, that certainly makes a lot of sense. And, you know, um, with everything that happened with COVID, what a lot of people forget too, is that you guys are students and you still have to go to class, still have to do work, still got term papers to write, still got tests to take. And now you have, it got flipped over and you had to do it all remotely. Can you tell me about what your what your response was to that about now having to do everything online? Was that something that was welcomed by you or did that make things tougher to be a student under those conditions? I think 100% it made things tougher because 
for some reason, when the classes go to online, for some reason, they give you even more schoolwork and uh, homework than you would as if it was as if you were showing up to class physically. They give you more homework and they give you more classwork. Mm. I failed like two classes myself, and good thing that you know they made rules for this because, uh, from what I know, like thousands of uh, student athletes across the country were failing more than you know more than they would. Yeah, it, it was certainly beneficial to have some of those some of those parameters in place. But the fall is going to be very, very similar. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, from an athletics point of view, we are going to try to 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 practice as much as possible, be together as much as possible. But obviously, the city, the state, government, the campus officials, CUNY, they're all going to have, you know, different phases of of activity. And but of course, classes are still going to be online. What are some of the things that you're going to try to accomplish this fall so that once January happens, once indoor season starts, you guys can be ready and at, and at peak performance? And are you hoping to kind of pick up where you left off, or do you know that there's going to be a little bit of a lapse when you first get back out there? When I first get back out there, there is going to be a little bit of a lapse. And both times that I get, I've got back out there in the past, there was a little bit of a lapse, but at the end of the day, I always make it. I always make it back to where I have to be. And in terms of online classwork, I'm just going to have to work my ass off to make sure that I don't, I'm not doing bad in any classes at all. Excellent. Very well said, very blunt, but very well said, Jared. It makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, Jared, I know you're still removed from graduation by, by a couple of years, but you know, when it's all said and done, when your career is all said and done here and, you know, um, when your studies are done here, what are some of the next steps for you? Have you thought about, you know, a major yet? Have you thought about career aspirations? What are some of the long-term objectives you're looking to accomplish by the time you're out of here? Uh, I'm looking to be, after I'm done with college, I'm looking to be a firefighter. Great. Is there is there a specific major that you're pursuing now to get you prepped for that? Oh uh, no, I'm just taking poli science because it's easy compared to other majors. But I do have to have a certain amount of credits mm-hmm. to be able to rank up in uh, the FDNY and make more money. Sure, so I'm getting those credits, and at the same time, I get to be a student athlete. So that's Excellent. good. Excellent. And, and finally, you know, Jared, you've, you've been a sprinter, obviously, uh, you know, 200, 400, um, any other races you've, you've earmarked as something that you'd want to do by the time your career is over any of the shorter distances or even some of the, of the mid distance stuff as, is, is does that appeal to you or, or are you still so going to concentrate on the two? The, uh, maybe the, uh, like, uh, Five meter dash or a hundred meter, mm-hmm. which are short distances, but and I might not be as good as them as I am at two hundred or four hundred. Mm-hmm. But I do find it interesting, and I, I'd give them a try for sure. Great. So that's something that you know I'll keep my eye on, and and that fans can keep their eye on as well. You know, Jared, it's a, it's it's funny how time flies when you're having good conversation, and you've been on with us for for over a half hour now. So I want to thank you for being a part of us. I know we lost Nick during the conversation. He's an LBI with some power issues there, so kind of expected mm-hmm. that this might happen after that uh, tornado that passed through, uh, this, this week. So, but I do want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I know, uh, you're a busy man, but I look forward to hearing this one back when we debut it. And I look forward to watching you run, uh, again, uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later.
Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So that was Jared Nusser joining Nick and I. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, step out, take a break. When we come back, Nick will rejoin the show and we will close out episode 31 here of the Dolphin Pod. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back here to the Dolphin Pod, episode number 31. We are premiering on Friday, August 7th, 2020. We just hung up the phone with Jared Nusser, and we just redialed Nick Duran, who we lost for the tail end there. And um, Hurricane Tornado Isaias rears its ugly head again, Nick. And uh, almost as, as predicted, we lost you there for a minute or two. Yeah, but I'm back, and, and I did miss a couple questions for Jared, but I know you took care of it. I know it's, he was in very good hands, so we'll get the closing done, hopefully. I will be on till the end. Yep, and I just got a text from Jared that said, please let me know when the link is up. I'm looking forward to hearing it back, and uh, and so are we. So um, so we'll definitely revisit that. And uh, Jared is a great is a great study, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal student athlete, um, just um, you know, tremendously talented. I don't know if he knows how good he really is, Nick. Uh, but it's it's kids like that who really make up the fabric of what we're all about at, at CSI, kids that, you know, get a chance to perform at the next level collegiately and end up, you know, with these tremendous accolades. And for him, a place in history as the first ever Division II champion uh, at the ECC level. Yeah, I think I think you just talking to him and, and hearing what he had to say about his high school career and just how professional he was about everything. And that that's what makes you a great college athlete to me is taking advantage of the spots you should take advantage of and staying disciplined. And he seemed like he, he had every right answer. And obviously all of his, his uh, accomplishments this year prove that. Yep, and we're definitely looking forward uh, to more things from Jared as the best is still yet to come. He has three years of eligibility in indoor and outdoor track. So uh, as great as for the ECC, that's exactly what I was going to say. And and I don't know if you were on the line for this, but he said definitely one of his um, one of his goals is to get below forty eight seconds in the four hundred. So that would be uh, if he can do that, then there'll be a couple of other medals on his mantle by the end of his of his career. But we're certainly going to look forward to that and look forward to all the exploits that the track and field program uh, will have for us because, you know, unlike a lot of other sports, Nick, although they're not eligible for NCAA championship status or to score as a team, they are eligible for individual championships. Um, so that's something to look forward to with those individual sports like like track and field and cross country. Yeah, and it was great getting his insight. You know, I'm I'm not really a big track guy, and and just knowing what goes through his head and and how he treats it as an individual sport. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's going to have a couple more accomplishments. And the way he talked about the team, I, I'm very confident in in him and the team success and 
in the ECC and, and continuing to push and add to our trophy case. Excellent. So uh, we ring in the month of August talking about the number four moments. And next week, we will continue the discussion uh, through the month of August leading up to the number one moment of 2019-2020. Until then, we'll keep it, um, you know, we'll keep you in suspense regarding the number three moment. But we'll have another special guest join Nick and I next week uh, when we premiere our number three moment on the Flashback Friday Countdown. We'll take a look at the number three moment on the Sportsnet Top 10 Most Watch. We'll see if basketball can hang on to that one. But until then, uh, for our guest, Jared Nusser, who joined us, for Nick Duran, I'm David Pizzuto, wishing you a great rest of weekend. And thank you for joining us for episode 31 of the Dolphin Pod. See you next week. You've been listening to the Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show. And check out our archive broadcast throughout the year at www.csidolphins.com backslash podcasts or on any of the broadcast channels like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a guest you'd like to see on the show, be sure to leave us feedback and catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to the Dolphin Pod.